Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Knife Party Podcast, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. I am, of course, your illustrious host, Zach Evergreen, in which you can find me on Instagram, at Zach Evergreen, because I'm dead with Twitter and everything else, just like everyone else. Um, but more importantly, you can find me at the Patreon, patreon.com slash knifepartypod. They're hearing this early, and this is supposed to be a Patreon special, but... I thought I would give you a taste of what $1 can get you. So this is January's special um, of, uh, of Patreon. And my wife loves countdowns. Um, you know what? I, I like them too. As, you know, it's kind of like half the videos on, not TikTok, but on YouTube are like countdowns and stuff like that, or at least they used to be. And uh, they're still all over the place. And I thought I should do one. And to research for this countdown, I actually looked up some people's choices on the subject, and I did not agree with any of them but one. And so, uh, and there's some that people didn't even think about that are in pop culture. And uh, yeah, so I made my list of 10 while sitting on the toilet last night. Um, and yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this. So without any further, oh, wait, 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 hold on. So I made this list and I had a grind it down I had to refine it to my 10 and even harder than that was putting it in order I had to remember kind of like where I was when I saw it um, how it affected me some of them are going to be ranked higher just because I was a kid and it really affected me um, but when I rewatched them it puts me right back there so um, I think you'll enjoy it too and um, I have some honorable mentions and uh, that's pretty important so, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out because maybe you're like, hey, they didn't mention he didn't mention this. Well, you know, just in case I want to mention a few. So to be fair to our runners up. Well, to be fair. Oh, don't say to be fair. Hate when people say to be fair. Oh, to be fair. 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 Right, here's my honorable mentions. Kyle Reese from The Terminator. Well, his uh, death scene is pretty short and sweet because he kind of sacrifices himself, saves the day, if you will, right? Um, you know, he's the reason why she escapes. Uh, Kyle Reese is protecting Sarah Connor. And uh, he gets, you know, he goes, run, Sarah, run, you know. And uh, you've, heard, you've heard my podcast on it, obviously. And, you know, he attacks the uh, T-800 uh, with a metal lead pipe thing and uh he gets knocked down and and beat up and then the t-800 goes after her and then he sticks the last plastique in between the uh, rib cage there and blows it up and uh, kyle's dead Um, after she squishes the terminator we you know we notice he's dead and it's all sad and they play like a trumpet version of the uh, terminator theme and as this is sad um especially if you think about the love scene and her talking on the recorder, it just didn't make my cut. So honorable mention to Kyle Reese. Next we have, and this is in no particular order, by the way, we have Ed from Shaun of the Dead. Um, Kind of the same thing. He's the dos es machina as uh, Shaun and Ed and um, the girlfriend. I I forget her name. I haven't seen that movie in three years, but don't worry. It's, It's on my list. Just it's way down on the list. I mean, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, in fact, when I first saw it, I thought it was the funniest movie I've ever seen, and I watched it twice in a row uh, back in, I think, 2003. Could be wrong. Yeah, that sounds about right, 2003. Okay, so, um, yeah, uh, he gets bitten by um, a, the Zed word, and they only have a few shells left, and they all have a cigarette even though they quit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he says, um, you know, go on. I won't make it without you. Just, you know, cause they're all sitting there, and they're deciding if they're going to shoot themselves. And then they find the lift button. And so, you know, Sean and her escape and he stands by to, you know, to keep keep them busy, I guess, as a distraction. And, uh, you know, self-sacrificing, of course. Um, in a funny movie, it's one of the only sad parts. That and the time Barbara gets bit. Um, that was, uh, they were a little bitey. Those two scenes were, were, you know, pretty depressing. But yeah, Sean of the Dead, Ed from Sean of the Dead, Ed, Ed from the Dead. You know, kudos to you. You didn't make the list, but you're an honorary mention. Um, okay, this is a tough one. Um, this almost made the cut. It was very, very close. Uh, and that is the Eric and Shelley Draven murder in the crow. Um, POV porn did not exist at this point. But her rape scene is POV porn. It's pretty, pretty fucking dark. Um, I actually met uh, James Obar. I did not bring this up. Um, cause yeah, uh, that guy is crazy anyway. I hung out with him for like two days with Jonathan Fallen from Hoodcast AF. It was a, it was a very interesting interview to say the least, especially that I didn't know his real wife died and the whole thing was about him and I look like a jackass. That being said, we smoked Winston's and had a beer over at the Hilton at the Comic-Con. It was good times. Um, and no one knew who he was. He was a weirdo and, uh, yeah, it was cool. I saw a special screening with him. Um, it's one of those things where I never really want to watch The Crow again because it was so much fun watching it with him and uh, just a select group of people. There's probably only like a dozen people in there. And yeah, it was it was great. Uh, but this is such a violent scene that it's almost in the horror genre. And you know that, you know, in horror movies, we don't care when people die, except for when Catherine Isabella dies in... Uh, Freddy vs. Jason is very sad because um, she's my favorite scream queen of all time. So yeah, Eric and Shelley Draven, real sorry what happened to you guys, but uh, honorable mention, but you didn't make the list, and I'm very sorry. Um, kudos to you. Uh, yeah. It's funny that I'm speaking in, in like character form. Okay, next on the, um, you know, on the honorable mention, I have Officer Murphy from Robocop. Now, this scene is very sad because he gets tortured and riddled with bullets. He's shot so many times that this part was edited. They edited, I think, seven seconds out of it. Um, no, it's probably not seven. I think it was like three or something. It, and you think that's not that long, but think about this. One, two, three. That's a lot of gunfire. And uh, especially when Clarence Boddicker and crew are all sitting there, all I think there's six of them, and they're all just execution style, and his hand gets blown off, and you see his face get blown off, and his brains and all the shit. And uh, it's it's really, really dark. He does come back as RoboCop, so that's why he didn't make the list. You know, I think the same thing with Eric Draven didn't make the list because he comes back as the Crow. and uh, But the rape scene is very, very funny. And rape is never funny. 
I didn't mean funny. I meant gruesome. Uh, slip of the tongue. I am dead stone cold sober right now, too. So that was a legit slip of the tongue. This is how I sound sober, by the way. Pretty much the same. Still still jumble on my own words. Mix them up. Maybe that's why I don't have a listeners. Okay, next we have Dizzy from Starship Troopers. Um, now, a lot of people will say this scene's not that sad, but listen to this. Okay, she's been pining over Rico this whole movie, right? And finally, finally when they start a relationship, you know, and with one of my favorite sex scenes ever, because it's funny, it's kind of sexy, but it's mainly funny and playful, and I like that. Um, it's, you know, finally, like, they, they have common ground, and they're going to pursue it, and he's finally going to forget about that bitch on the flight deck. And right when they establish this relationship and everything seems going well, she dies, like, the next scene. And the saddest part about this, and it does get to me a little bit, only for a second, though, is... um you know, he says, like, I'm sorry, Diz. And she says, don't be, because I got to have you. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, and finally, if this was going to be a, you know, top one through five of, of honorable mentions, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, I have six, um, Boromir from, the Fellowship of the Ring. Here's why. Okay, first off, you should have known that Sean Bean is going to die because he dies in every movie. Like pre-mentioned, Catherine Isabella, I cannot mention one movie where they live in or um, live. I do know in Ronan, Sean Bean doesn't die, but he leaves Robert Robert De Niro, like kick him out of the 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 group, and he just bounces. I mean, he, you, he would have died when he walked. He probably did die outside. He probably walked outside and tripped, and then a boulder fell on him, and it's like, oh. In fact, that was a deleted scene, and if you don't believe me, look that up. Yeah, he, he has to die in every movie. It's, it's in his contract. If it was actually in his contract, I would not be surprised whatsoever. I really wouldn't. So, yeah, anyway, uh, that's him. Um, you know, plus his acting was good. He becomes corrupt, but then at like the last minute, he saves everybody. Again, there's a theme here. If you die to save the heroes in a movie, um, I immediately feel for you, and I don't care how evil you were. I'm uh, I'm on your side. Okay, and with that, um, let's get to our top 10 of the saddest death scenes in cinema, and et cetera. <laughs> Number 10, Claudia, Interview with the Vampire. Now, I'll tell you why this one's so sad. So Claudia gets shit on by Lestat like the whole movie. And she's just like a little toy to dangle in front of Louis in the beginning. Later on, when she becomes an adult, well, I mean mentally, she uh, she falls kind of in love with Louis and wishes that she could be like a big girl, you know like be a woman have you know breasts and pubic hair and and actually be able to like please louis sexually i guess and 
Louis stuck with Lestat and their gayness. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, at least in the book. Um, they sleep 69 in a coffin. What more can I say? And this is before Lestat joins the rock band. It's pretty ridiculous. Anne Rice, every, I, I'm, I'm the same one. I sucked her cock like when I first read her stuff because I was super into vampires and everything vampire related. And there's not very many good vampire movies, as Jeff Ugly Shoes would agree with me. But this one is decent. Try watching it now. The dialogue is so cheesy. But the uh, costumes, the music, the acting is pretty good. Just the dialogue sucks. Um, at least most of the time. Uh, Look with your vampire eyes may be the worst cheesiest line ever in a, in a movie. I mean, it's up there. I should do top 10 cheesiest things. Um, anyway, so right when they think they found their sanctuary, um, when they find Armand, and they think everything's going to be hunky-dory after searching the world for like a hundred and something years, sailing to every country and continent there is. And Armand promises them safe harbor, and uh, especially Louis. And the saddest thing is when he is going to go with Armand, he being Louis, pronouns pal, uh, Claudia wants to leave because she feels like she's in danger. So she wants like a mother figure so uh, he, being Louis again, um, embraces this girl that she found to be like her mom. And, uh, she, you know, she's going to go away with her and they're going to split. Unfortunately, Armand's little little Lon Chaney Jr. dude, he looks just like him, uh, finds out, you know, like a um, vampire at midnight or London at midnight or whatever. Dude looks just like him. Uh finds out and they run in it's time for justice little one and they snag the two uh just claudia and the woman i don't know her name i don't i think she, they probably mention it once maybe so uh anyway they lock them they lock louis in a stone coffin and bury him forever or at least they say they do and then they throw them in an empty well so claudia and the girl are there and they're just in this empty well, and then you see the sun kind of, you know, corona over the the top of the well, and slowly you see them burn, scream, and turn to ashes. It is very sad. There's something about helpless, you can't do anything, you're fucked death, that really gets to me, and I think because I have nightmares about it, more often than not, especially that I've been straight recently, like, uh, I haven't been going to bed so medicated, so I, I'm having some fucking weird vivid dreams. So yeah, uh, that's definitely a fear of mine. I think my biggest fear, though, is being stuck in the ocean with nothing. Like uh, the movie Deep Water. Um, I think it's called Deep Water. You know, where the divers are just left alone. That is terrifying to me. And when, um, you know, in, when the UNSS Indianapolis, the story about that, um, in uh, Jaws, when he just talks about how there was, you know, 1,300 men in the water and then they, you know, they go one by one by the sharks and it's all nighttime and you can't see anything. That fucking terrifies me. But yeah, helpless death. It's, um, it's not fun, obviously. <laughs> and like no one can save him. Louis trapped in the coffin. Now he gets out and then he finds out what happens and then he leaves Armand and then gets revenge and kills everybody. So there is some redemption there. So Claudia... Cheers to you. Number 10. All right, moving on to Brooks. Shawshank Redemption, number nine. 
Why is this so sad? Well, this whole movie is pretty fucking tragic. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is my number six in my top ten. Now you're learning. You know the Holy Trinity. Now you know the other two. And now we're moving on. So, uh, yeah, Shawshank Redemption is one of those movies I know word for word. If it's on TV, I I cannot stop it. If I don't know what to watch, sometimes I'll just throw it on and just sit there and watch it. And um, it's also one of those movies, if it starts, I cannot stop. It doesn't matter if I have to work at 6 in the morning. If I put that on at 11, well, I guess I'm staying up to 1.30 because that's what's happening. One does not stop. Or sorry, I'm quoting Boromir. One does not simply stop the Shawshank Redemption. So, yeah, anyway, um, Brooks finally gets paroled, and he's never seen, like, he's seen a car once in a museum, and the streets were empty, and now he's walking around, and he's seeing cars all the time, and everything confuses him, and he gets a job at the foodway bagging groceries, and his manager's a prick, and he's just, you know, very, very miserable. And he doesn't know what to do. And then he, he thinks about taking his paycheck and buying a gun and robbing the store so they throw him back uh, in in Shawshank. But he's kind of like too old and incapable. So at the halfway house, you know, he g- gets a chair and he writes, Brooks was here. And then you see him hang himself. And it cuts to his voice, to uh, Morgan Freeman's voice, because this is like his suicide note. And he sends it to uh, the boys um, in Shawshank. Very sad, and um, whenever I quit a job, I always write Brooks was here. And I'm not kidding, I carve it in somewhere like no one can see it. Uh, it I think it's on C1100 at Chevron Richmond. I'm, I am I forgot where I did it at, uh, at Starbucks. Um, it's in Toys R Us, or sorry, not Toys R Us. It's in uh, Guitar Center Concord. Like, if I quit a job, guess what? I'm writing Brooks was here. Oh, man. All right, congratulations, Brooks. You take home number nine. Moving on, David Kessler, an American werewolf in London. Okay, so the reason why this one is sad is because, well, first off, this starts off with him being a werewolf on a murderous rampage after murdering a bunch of people in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, if you've never seen this, a werewolf is in a porno movie, Uh, porno theater rather and he kills a bunch of Brits and then he runs out and kills a bunch of other people and it's pretty gruesome there's this one scene where he bites a a, a cop or whatever they call them over there on the neck and it's like really gruesome finally they get him in a corner and then nurse Alex like runs ahead of the cops and tries to convince him like you know to to chill to heal if you will Uh, wait for the moon to be over maybe I don't know she just you know wants to see him and when he goes to attack her, they fire rifles and, and kill him. But then we don't see a wolf. We see David's body on the ground. And the saddest part about this is he was about to kill himself in a phone book after he calls his, his family. And, um, you know, he his friend Jack keeps warning him about this over and over again. And I think it's the impending doom that makes it so sad even though it's kind of anticlimactic that he's he dies suicide by cop, I still think it's very sad. Um, it's a great ending to the movie. Sorry to spoil it. Uh, <laughs> um, I know there's a bunch. Uh, I'll 
It's funny. The people that listen to me most is in order America, London, or um, the UK and Nigeria. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone in the UK has seen this movie. If you listen to me, you've probably seen this movie. So, David Kessler, you take home number eight. Congratulations. Moving on. Donnie Darko and Donnie Darko. Whew, this is sad for a multitude of reasons. First off, Gretchen, oh, and by the way, who's super hot, and don't get mad at me like I'm a pedophile. First off, she was 19 when they filmed that movie, and second off, I think I was like 20, maybe 21. Um, the whole movie is about Donnie Darko is sleeping outside, and his bedroom is crushed by a jet engine, and uh, it's just a weird movie, right? But Donnie realizes that the only way the only way he could save Gretchen's life is going back in time to to actually be in that bed because if he doesn't be in that bed he won't meet her and take her to the party and she won't get ran over and he won't kill Frank so it's kind of like a weird triangle if Donnie lives Right. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. If Donnie lives, Gretchen dies and Frank dies. But if Donnie dies, both Frank and Gretchen will live. It's a choice he makes. It's a sacrifice he makes. And the saddest part of all is when he dies, he's smiling and laughing and crying at the same time. And then we see all the other characters that lived and it plays Mad World by, um, by, uh, fuck, who's that band? Not Depeche Mode. All around me, half a failure. I think it is. I don't care. Um, but it plays this slow, sad version, and it really tears at the heartstrings. Uh, Donnie Darko is a great movie. I just rewatched it. I'm not going to do a review on it recently because I just watched it. And I, I watched it like I'm not even lying, like three days before I started this uh, podcast on November 9th. So, um, yeah, anyway, um, Donnie Darko, congratulations for taking home the number seven slot. Next, this one is only really gonna tear at your heartstrings if you were a kid when you saw this. The T-100, the, sorry, the T-800 and Terminator 2. Why is it sad? Well, this came out, I was nine years old and um, I was, a, as you know, I'm a huge Terminator fan. I couldn't wait to see this movie. I saw it in the theaters. And, you know, Arnold is kind of a silly guy. He plays a heavy in this. Until the end, he kind of loosens up a little bit when they pull out his behavior chip or put in his, whatever. Um, and, you know, there's a scene where Sarah Connor is looking at John and the Terminator. They're playing around, you know, they're working on a car and then they're slapping five and, and, you know, Terminator's teaching him how to work on cars, et cetera, et cetera. Cause he knows how to do everything because he has all the final uh, files because they're on Skynet. Um, I digress. So she's like with the Terminator, this machine, it would never get drunk and hit him or yell at him. I would protect him and that's all it does. Right. So we get this like feeling like, Oh, cool. I think at the end, they're all going to live happy, happy ever after. And they did later in the series too, which makes zero sense. Um, 
Because later in the series, like, I, I don't count anything after number two, but apparently he kills John Connor, and, like, after he kills John Connor, lives out his life, which doesn't make much sense. I guess it does, because Skynet wants to find... I don't know. I All the movies, three and on, just suck. Um, But yeah, so why it's sad is because John is now losing the only father figure he has, and me being an Arnold fan, too... So when he's lowered in the steel, I'm not even going to lie. I cried like a bitch. You know, I was very, very upset to the point where I didn't want to watch it again. And it was one of those things that a kid does where I'm like, maybe this time if I watch it, it won't happen. Or maybe I just remembered it that way, you know, but he dies. He gives a thumbs up on the way down. Oh, so sad. All right. T-800. Congratulations. You are number six. Now, speaking of movies named after themselves, and also speaking of Arnold, a lot of people haven't seen this movie. In fact, uh, a drummer of mine showed me this movie, and I've never heard of it and never seen it, but it's one of Arnold's heaviest roles. It's called Maggie. If you haven't seen it, look it up. I think it's streaming somewhere for free. I think it's on Amazon Prime for free. Uh... But the movie is like after a zombie outbreak, but people are, it's kind of like COVID. It's like, it's over, but it's not because they're still like zombies and they're, but they're few and far between and you have to register if you get bit. And then at a certain point, they come and check on you weekly and seeing how you're doing. And then at a certain point, they're going, all right, we have to round you up. And then they put you in a camp and, and we don't know what they do, but like someone escaped or something and there's all these rumors flying around that they like burn you or put you in slave labor and then burn you or whatever but it's it, you definitely don't want to get bit because you definitely don't want to go there so Maggie is Arnold's daughter and she's bit and we see out her last days that's the whole movie now the sheriffs are trying to you know because the time has passed where she needs to go in and Arnold's like, no, you're not taking her. She's going to die here, da-da-da. Maybe there's a cure. Who knows? We see Maggie go pretty crazy. Um, she cuts up her own hand, uh, her own fingers at one point for no reason. Um, she tries to find a boy. She finds this boyfriend who's also bit, and they're both scared. And it is a sad fucking movie. It is, like, from beginning to end sad. And Arnold is not, like, there's no catchphrases whatsoever. There's no... He has a shotgun once just to protect her. Um, he kills one of the zombies, though. That's a neighbor. and But it's it's not like... It makes Walking Dead look happy. Like, that's how sad this fucking movie is. It's also filmed in, like, this grainy uh, Sophia-type film, which even adds to the effect. But um, the death scene at the end... Ooh. Because you think... Ooh. Let's just put it this way. Arnold's sitting in a chair... And she comes up to bite him, question mark? And he's pretending to be asleep. Um, this movie, you need to see the ending. Uh, it is awesome. Oh, and the thing is, is like his or her mother, his wife, had like a garden. And so she climbs up on the roof and like that's all. And then you just see the garden and then you see it in fast motion. So... You know, the basically she falls to her doom. Um, damn, this movie is heavy. 
just talking about it is heavy, but definitely, definitely go see it. Um, it's totally worth the watch, even if you're not an Arnold fan. But if you, even if you're tired of all the zombie genre that came out since the Walking Dead comic books, yes, that's right, I said comic books. The show sucks. Well, season one and two are good, but the show sucks. The comic books are fantastic. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, Maggie, congratulations on taking spot number five. Okay. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, I'm going to fuck your childhood up. Because at number four... being in Fantasia, whose home was the Shell Mountain, somewhere in the deadly swamps of sadness. let the sadness overtake him would sink into the swamp. I know there's some people out there right now going, <laughs> I know there's some people with, with, with a wet eye right now. Um, shit, I'm not going to lie. When I, I looked up that clip and I got a little misty, I haven't seen that movie in years. I'm like, oh, shit. I forgot how dark that part is. I mean, first off, a death of an animal is pretty heavy. I know human beings are more important, blah, 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 blah. Not really, though. Um, in fact, my my wife said there's a list online called "Does the Cat Live?" <laughs> or "Does the Dog Live?" Um, in like horror movies or like whatever. 
which is pretty funny. And uh, yeah, anyway, Artex from NeverEnding Story. Need I say more? I think that clip says it all. Artex, if you can hear me and you're you're still beneath that swamp and you're, you're yeah, anyway, you're still there, um, I'll just drop this trophy in the, in the swamp and hopefully it'll float down to you. Artex, you are number four. How can I beat Artex, right? That's probably what you're thinking. You're probably like, hey, Zach, Artex, you know, dude, for real, you, you could top Artex? I can. Number three, Lindsay Brigham, The Abyss. This is why this is saddest scene. I almost pulled a clip from it, but it's totally visual. So in this movie, um, Bud and Lindsay are, they just got in like a submarine battle with coffee uh, and they kill coffee but their sub is is really, really leaking bad. Now, you got to remember, this movie takes place thousands and thousands of, of leagues. Actually, no, sorry, league is a length, I think. Anyway, it takes, takes place like a mile down in the ocean, right? Where, like, no light escapes, and it's, it's like, only two degrees above freezing or something. And they're in there, and this thing is claustrophobic, for one, this scene. She is in a sub, so she didn't have a wetsuit. He swam to her in one of those deep diving suits. And the water starts filling up, and they're trying to figure out what to do, and they can't figure out what to do. Uh, the power goes out. The ra- you know the radio, is, the radio is broken. And now they have a dilemma. Bud already has the suit on. She doesn't. The water's filling up. There's not enough time for her to put it on which he starts taking it off and she says no 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 you can't do it can't do it just um you and she explains to him my body will freeze my veins will turn to ice i'll go through hypothermia and i'll my heart will stop my lungs will fill with water and i'll die but there's a chance because you're a strong swimmer you could get me back to uh to one night to um you know their their platform there and you could try to revive me here's why it's so sad you see her just gasping for air and like just making noises as as the water goes up and up and as as this happens he puts on his helmet uh, the diver helmet and he he goes and like you see the the oxygen come in the water come out and then she just grabs the face mask and just stares at him and kisses it. And then you just see her die right in front of his eyes. And it is so fucking sad. It's like, and then he just screams. And the next scene, you just see him dragging her body like through the, through the abyss. It is, um, it is a fucking chilling scene. Even if you don't, if you watch the movie, do not watch the original cut, by the way, because it does make sense, but it doesn't make as much sense if you watch the, seems like Cameron, oh shit, drink, said Cameron. I'm, I'm reserving the bell for only the nominees here, so, so um, or the winners, rather. So, uh, yeah, anyway, even if you don't want to watch the whole two-hour perversion of this movie, um, which, or two and a half hour, I think, is the long version, it's, it, it makes a lot more sense, believe me. Uh, it puts more stakes on the table than the regular version. Uh, but I would Google um, Lindsay Burgum Drowns uh, Abyss, and you'll see exactly what I mean. I could tell it to you, but it's very much a visual. It's so good. 
Oh, we're getting down to the wire. But first, let me give her a trophy. Lindsay Bergham from the Abyss. Congratulations on podium at bronze. Good dying there, sweetheart. Good dying. Good luck next year. Okay. I just watched this movie, and this is what made me think. Actually, there's two reasons why I thought of doing this list. It's number one and number two. Um, I'm not going to give number one away, though. Of course, you could press the fast forward button, but you'd be chump. Number two, Seth Brundle, The Fly. Seth starts out as such a charming guy. His love relationship with um, Veronica blossoms so soon, and right when he's getting everything he kind of wants, his experiments are finally working out. He has a love life for the first time of his life. Uh, he has someone to share all his like genius and his, his work with, and she's having a great time. She's a journalist, you know. Um, Something goes wrong, of course, and or else we wouldn't have a movie. <laughs> um, and we see him deteriorate to slower and slower and slower, and she's watching him not only deteriorate like physically, but like mentally. He becomes a monster. And then when he figures out that he's becoming an actual monster, he starts becoming very sympathetic, kind of like a Quasimodo or a, you know, Phantom of the Opera, if you will, like, like a very tortured creature. And there's really nothing she could do. And later, Seth's plans become nefarious in a way, but not really in his mind. Because if you look at it through his eyes, it's a lot different than her eyes. Now, um, especially because she's pregnant with the child and she doesn't know if it's deformed or not, right? And it's uh, it's very, very sad. Uh, the love story really, really is, is what makes this gore-fest watchable to people that normally do not like gore. That's why I got a 93% Rotten Tomatoes. But at the end, when his final, final idea, Seth that is, to maybe become more human, fails. He comes out of the pod and he is so miserable because he just kept the, the last experiment was is almost as bad, if not worse than the first. So she is so uh, distraught. She doesn't know what to do. And Seth grabs the barrel of the shotgun she's holding. It's like an elephant gun. And she puts it to his his temple and just like nods. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he just like looks up. And then she, she fucking blows his brain out. And it is so fucking sad. And especially it's the very end of the movie. Like it just goes to credits right after as she's screaming. And um, it is, oof. yeah, it's, it's a, okay. That movie's really heavy. You have to, that movie is like, like an experience. You're like, okay, I need to be mentally focused to watch this movie, right? You can't, you can't just have it in the background. It's like, it must take your full attention and it's a movie. I have to watch it alone. Or if people are watching it and they talk, I go, shut the fuck up. Like Eli talks during it all the time. And that's why I have to watch it when he goes to bed. So yeah, anyway, Seth Brundle from The Fly, you podiumed at Silver, congratulations. Number one. There is a bunch of people, when I play this music, I need not say more. There are some people who are going to hate me 
for playing this music. Even though they don't know what it is, when I explain it, they're going to be pissed. They're going to go, Zach, you said film. However, this was adapted to the film. Without any further ado, if I press this button, The Death of Ares Games, bro. Final Fantasy VII. Okay, you could stop yelling at me now, seeing how this was adopted into a movie called Advent Children, which is fantastic, by the way. And uh, yeah, let me tell you this. So our main protagonist, Cloud, is in a love triangle with Tifa Flockhart, Cloud Strife, by the way, if you need to know his last name, and uh, Ares, well, it's, it's spelled Aerith, in Aries, it depends on the Japanese translation or the American translation. But uh, this love triangle goes on, and as the player, you kind of get to decide who you go with. And especially if she, like you have her on your party and everything else, it makes it even more tragic. As you're tracking the bad guy Sephiroth through like uh, through all the continents, trying to track him down because he's going to basically. You're trying to save the world because he's trying to destroy the world by directing a giant meteor to... I digress. Um, finally, she runs off for some reason. You do not know why. And so now you're following her. And finally, you see her. And it's in this very, very majestic place up north. It's uh, There's like northern lights and there's like crystals and such. And white when Cloud sees her and like they make eye contact at... She's impaled by the main guy, Sephiroth. It is so dramatic, in fact, that the blade just sticks in there for a good five to eight seconds. And you see like this, this, she always has a ribbon in her hair. It falls out ever so slowly and there's a marble in it. It's actually materia, but that's for those who know. And you just see it bounce down these stairs like what whilst this music plays. And then after that, you see Cloud like put her in this like ice cold water and he just like lets her go and you just see her like fall deeper and deeper and deeper into the abyss and it is so fucking sad. To make it even worse, if you ever played Crisis Core where you play as Zack, the person that Cloud steals his identity from and tries and Zack tries to save Cloud, he is then gunned down. This is a prequel by the way. He's gunned down by like a Shinra soldiers, right? Zack then steals like his identity, goes back to the, the church where she lives in uh, Sector 6, I believe, in the slums in Midgar. And she sees him and she's like, what the fuck? Because he's wearing his clothes, he's got his like sword and armor and shit. And then she's trying to figure out like what's going on, you know? And then... Um, so not only did she lose Zack, but then Cloud loses her, which is really sad too. And Zack's death is just as sad because 
He is gunned down by many people execution style, and it is tragic as well. Not as tragic as Ares, though. Let's let's get that on. So I put them together. So from Final Fantasy VII, Zach and Ares, you are the winner. Gold. Again, if you're pissed off, fucking watch the movie, Advent Children. And if you're a nerd, replay uh, Final Fantasy VII and Crisis Core, because they're fucking excellent. I'm playing them right now. It's actually what made me think of doing this. All right. That's about it. From all of us at the knife party, be kind and rewind. Or in this case, blow in the cartridge. Zach Evergreen and patreon.com slash knifepartypod. Now, if you'll excuse me, I needed to return some videotapes. <laughs>